Forgotten Quarterbacks, hosted by W. Earl Kitchings. Our podcast is dedicated to preserving the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. And now, here's your host, W. Earl Kitchings. Well, here we are with another episode of the Forgotten Quarterbacks. I'm your host, Earl Kitchings, and this podcast is dedicated, as it is forever and always, to the men, the black men, who played this game of football, American football, and it is our mission, it is our ministry, it is our charge to make sure that those lives, those accomplishments and achievements of those men at both black colleges and mid-major and major colleges throughout America get their due. So we've been bringing you episodes to talk about these, these men, and we will continue to bring you some nuggets. We hope there are nuggets to you that we bring to you that cause you to pause and think and realize that there have been some strong accomplishments for many, many, many years, and sometimes they were not recognized as duly as they were supposed to. But that's our job, to make sure you know, to make sure you have the rest of the story so that when you're talking, you know how you go to the barbershop or you're at the football games or when you're just in that man cave talking that talk with the guys, you can bring up something that maybe somebody never heard of, never thought about, didn't think about, and bring them a fact, and bring them a story, and tell them something about a guy that, man, I I never heard of that guy. Well, he played, he did what he did, and he's been documented. And here at Quartified Backs, That's what our job is to make sure you know. So today, what we want to do, I want to bring to you the information in this story about who we've basically identified as the the best black quarterback of all time. Now, I know some of you may say, well, Earl, how can you say that he's the best or the greatest of all time? Put the moniker, the goat on him. How how do you do that? Well, it's pretty simple. He's thrown for the most yards. He's had the most touchdowns. And I think from that particular statistic because had he played at some other school he might have won the Heisman although he finished third in the Heisman voting the year he was nominated and that's the highest that a quarterback from a black college has ever gone think about that third in the Heisman Trophy balloting from a all black college from a HBCU So for those of you who know the name and for those of you who don't, and if you think that Air Jordan is the only heir that has ever graced 
a sports venue, well, let me tell you about Steve Air McNair. Steve Air McNair played at Alcorn State University over in Lorman, Mississippi. He played there for four years, starting in 1991. And he became a legend. That's all you can call him is a legend for the things he did on the field with his legs and his arms. He was a legend. 119 touchdown passes, 119 passes for touchdowns, 14,496 total passing yards in his four year career at Alcorn State. And I don't care what you say. 14,000 yards is 14,000 yards. Whether you played at a Power 5 or a Division 2 or Division 3, NAIA, uh, FCS, it doesn't matter. High school, Pop Warner, it does not matter. 14,000 yards is 14,000 yards. And the thing about 14,000 yards is you got to have guys who catch the ball and make plays to total those 14,000 yards. So from Lorman, Mississippi, Steve McNair was offered a scholarship to play at the University of Florida. But as we've told you so, 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 so many times, Guys who come out of high school with the talent to play quarterback aren't always valued at the major schools for that particular skill set. And no, Florida did not want Steve McNair as a quarterback. Think about that. A guy who passed for 14,000 yards in his career and you're recruiting him out of high school and offer him a scholarship to play running back. And this is, this is not a knock on any other guy who went to Florida. I'm just calling it like it is. You didn't offer Tim Tebow a scholarship to Florida to play running back. And Tim Tebow can't, couldn't, won't ever be able to carry Steve McNair's helmet. Period. But you wanted him to come there. And Steve McNair made the best decision. He said, no. I'm going to stay in Mississippi and I'm going to take my skills to Lorman, Mississippi and play at Alcorn State. At the time, they were Division One AA, which is now FCS. Play in the SWAC Conference, the SWAC, Southwest Athletic Conference. And that's what he did. And he went on, and in 1992, McNair threw for 3,541 yards and 29 touchdowns and ran for 10 more. So he accounted for 39 touchdowns in 1992 for all Alcorn State. He wasn't quite known yet. He hadn't quite put the fear of defenses in the eyes and the hearts of defenses yet. So they finished... Seven and four. And over time, his junior year, he he started to make it known. But 
in his senior season, in his senior season, footballs looked like daggers, looked like missiles. Uh, and he found targets, and if he couldn't find a target, he would take off and scramble or run and just make you miss. Now, understand Steve McNair was not a small guy either. Steve McNair, when he was in college, probably was playing at about 6'2", maybe 210. That's not a small guy. And when you turn that, t- that 210 into muscles, uh, that, could, that could hurt. You're you, you thinking that you're going to take him on, and that could hurt. So, in his senior season, he passed for 6,281 yards. And he just kept that going. He rushed for 904. So in the in the process, Steve McNair, after four seasons, ended up with 14,496 yards. And his total offensive yardage over those four years was 16,823 yards. So that's a combined running and passing. Just his passing touchdowns were 119. So, Steve McNair earned All-American, All-SWAC, SWAC Player of the Year, won the Walter Payton Award. He finished behind Rashawn Salam and Kajana Carter in the Heisman voting. So, what do you do with a guy like this after he's proved to you made the cover of Sports Illustrated. He proved to you in college that I am, as we say, that dude. Well, if you're a smart professional football team, you're looking to make him your number one pick if you're smart. We know they haven't always been smart in the past when we've had this kind of talent. They haven't always selected the top guy from a black college as their number one draft pick. But how do you bypass a guy like this? Because Rashawn Salam and Kajana Carter were not quarterbacks in the Heisman voting. So let's look at it from a different perspective. Steve McNair, the year they had the Heisman Trophy voting in 94, was the best quarterback on the Heisman Trophy ballot. Because if he finished third and the other two guys were running backs in front of him, that made him the number one quarterback. So, ergo, he must have been the best quarterback in the nation. If he finished third, nobody else was ahead of him, he must have been the best quarterback in the nation. Let's look at it from that perspective. So, He moves on. He becomes the third overall pick in the 1995 NFL draft by the Houston. At that time, they were the Houston Oilers. And that made him the highest drafted African-American quarterback in NFL history. And they signed him. (laughs) Ooh, man. They they didn't want him to get away. They signed him to a seven-year deal. Oh, no, Steve, we, we, we value your talent, and we value you, and we want to hold on to you because you could take us to that 
land called the promised land called the Super Bowl. So started playing with the Oilers before they moved to Tennessee and became the Titans. And they went on to play and you know they got to that that magical game when they played against the Rams but before they got to the Rams they played the the Buffalo Bills in in a game that became known as the miracle I mean the Music City Miracle where on a kickoff they th- they threw a lateral pass to a guy who took it down the sideline to score the winning touchdown. That's how they got to the NFL, NFL, uh, AFL, AFC rather, AFC championship. So, you know, they went on, and now here they are playing the Los Angeles Rams in a back-and-forth game, back-and-forth, 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 and here comes... The Rams, who put the Titans in the situation. Kurt Warner and and the Rams, they called, you know, they had a nickname for that team because they were so electrifying. They, you know, they they could score in a matter of, of, of seconds. So you give the ball back to Steve McNair. And as they say, you know, the last team with the ball – Especially when they're you got a dangerous quarterback. You you talk about an Aaron Rodgers. You talk about a Tom Brady. Well, okay. Before those guys, we had Steve McNair. So Steve McNair is moving the ball down the field, and they are getting close to making something happen. And on a play, on a third down. McNair finds Kevin Dyson. And Kevin Dyson shakes off two defenders on this 16-yard pass that was completed. However, as he got oh so close to scoring the winning touchdown, he was stopped one yard away. For those of you who remember the game, you know how heartbreaking that was to see a play in like that because he stretched out as far as he could looking to make that touchdown happen. But one yard, one yard, 36 inches. That's how close they came. But Steve McNair had done his job that day, took the Titans to the promised land of where you have a chance. And they came up one yard short. But still, one of the greatest professional quarterbacks to ever play the game in the NFL. Definitely one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks to play collegiate football, no matter what level. And had had there been someone else uh, that was black that I knew of other than Steve Magna, I would definitely give them their props. 
So Steve McNair, who unfortunately uh, passed and left us, uh, had his number retired by the Titans, inducted into the Alcorn State Sports Hall of Fame, also inducted into the Tennessee, the state of Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. And also, he's been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. And if I'm not mistaken, the Black College Football Hall of Fame. That's the kind of greatness Steve McNair, Steve Air McNair, showed during his time. 14,496 yards. Now, now DT, you, you got to keep in mind, there were some drop passes along the way. What would have happened if some of those drop passes had been catches or some of those passes that were caught but had penalties on the end of them did not have those penalties? How many more yards would he have added to his total? We'll never know because they don't go back and do it that way. But at 14,496, there have not been many quarterbacks to throw for that many yards so I want to give you the names of the guys who have passed for over 10,000 yards who played at black colleges because those guys are very special and let me tell you this before there was an air magnet there was a guy called Satellite. Willie Satellite Totten. And that name may not ring a bell with some of you, but for those of us who, who knew him back in the 80s, saw him play the game, put Mississippi Valley State on the map because he had one phenomenal receiver. It was Totten to Rice. Totten, yes, that's right, Jerry Rice. Willie Totten threw for 13,128 yards, and I misspoke. McNair had one night, 119. <laughs> Willie Totten had 141 touchdown passes. So he did not get the recognition as high as Steve McNair did. However, 13,100 plus yards uh, only surpassed by a gentleman by the name of Eugene Bruce who played at Grambling from 2001 to 2005. 13,516 yards and 140 touchdowns. And isn't it ironic that these three guys that I've named, Steve McNair, Willie Totten, Eugene Bruce all played in the same athletic conference, the SWAC, which shows you that those guys or those teams in the SWAC, they love to throw that football. After Eugene Bruce, there was Robert Kent with 11,784 yards. He played at Jackson State from 2000 to 2003, had 104 touchdowns. Darnell Kennedy played at Alabama State from 1997 to 01, 11,000, 
753 yards and 55 touchdowns. Amir Hall, who played at Bowie State, that's a Division II school, but still, 7,071 yards, 102 touchdowns, um, I'm sorry, 102 touchdowns. I uh, played from 2015 to 18. Drew Powell played at Livingstone, another Division II school out of the CIAA. 10,861, 75 touchdowns. He played from 2012 to 2015. Donald Carey, Alcorn State, 10,348 yardage, 82 touchdowns. He played from 2001 to 04. And finally, Robert Kent, Jackson State, 10,163 yards, 92 touchdowns. From 2000 to 2003, he played at Jackson State. So when you, when you look at those numbers and when you look at the guys who tossed for over 10,000 yards in their career. That's a lot of yards. That's an extreme amount of yards. And that group of gentlemen, right at about 10 guys ever from black colleges, ever to throw for over 10,000 yards. So when you talk about the fact that these guys have had these great careers and the fact that they have done their due diligence, played their games, put their names in the history books, the record books of their schools, our hats go off to them because they made a mark, a significant mark. There were other quarterbacks who, you know, in the book, The Forgotten QBs, you can, you know, get your copy by going to our website at Quarterfy back at yahoo.com and going to the website at uh, that's the email address, but you can go to the website at quarterfyback.com. Go to the menu, look, look up the book, the forgotten QBs, order your copy of the book through our email address and just sit down and look at what type of history black quarterbacks at both black colleges and other colleges have had since 1903, uh, which our records date back to. There were some other colleges that were around, you know, that they played football before 1903, but our records, based on our research, took us back to 1903 uh, when we could actually identify a, a black quarterback at a major college, and we just started from that point. But over 100 years of black quarterbacks playing this game, making records and doing things, and putting their names in our book and making sure that we don't forget about them. So Steve Air McNair, in our opinion, is the greatest quarterback to ever play at a, at a, a black college. Um, and as I told you, Willie Totten and Eugene Bruce follow him, him up very closely. I mean, it could have gone to either one of them, but I think what put him over the top was the fact that he finished third in the Heisman Trophy voting behind two running backs, which at that time in 1994 made him the best quarterback in America. And Willie Totten is now the coach at Southern University. That's going to be interesting to see how that works out this year as he's continuing to carve out his career as a coach. Uh, 
So there's a lot of history. There's a long legacy. But today, we wanted to focus in on number nine from Alcorn State, Steve Air McNair, as the best of the best. So that's going to do it for this episode of The Forgotten Quarterbacks. Please go to our website, quarterfiback.com. That's quarter, P-H-I, not F-I, but P-H-I, back.com. Check us out. We also have now included a newsletter on our website called The Post Route. We're doing some outstanding newsletter information with quarterbacks from not just Heisman, but quarterbacks who have had legacies at major colleges. And we're going to be talking to some of these quarterbacks as time goes forward. We do have Chuck Ely on tap to talk to him, but there are many other guys we just want to have a conversation with. But go to our website, quarterfiback.com. Check us out. Go to the menu. Order you a copy of the book. Or if you have some comments or thoughts, send us something at quarterfiback at yahoo.com. For my engineer, my producer, my director of this podcast, The Forgotten Quarterbacks, Mr. Deterion Sturgill, I'm Earl Kitching saying until next time, Go for the ball. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us here on the Forgotten Quarterbacks with host W. Earl Kitching. Join us as we discuss more about the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. 